The next face of our Humans of Bristol University series is Jez Connolly, who is Head of Student Engagement for Library Services at the University. He spoke in more detail about his role, his moonlighting as a film writer, and on engaging students in the wider city of Bristol. The, the, the nuts and bolts of what we actually do as, as a, a team within the service, we're responsible for the creation, the design and the production and the promotion of um, all of our sort of physical um, promotional material, so banners, posters, postcards. We also look after the digital signage content that you'll see on screens around like, the libraries. Um, uh, beyond that side of things, we are definitely also involved in events, mm. so open days, visit days. Uh, in the last year or two, there have been four new university staff um, kind of welcome days, sort of fairs, and then we go along, so we go on to those, and, and we can sort of set up shop and uh, promote our, our service, really. Um, so it's, it's about getting out there. Uh, the other thing that we try to do is, is to sort of address those kind of key points in the st typical student life cycle where we know there's a pressing need for as many of our users as possible to be aware of this or that element of the service. Um, and at the same time, it try to elicit their kind of feedback on what, what we're here to do so that we can maximise and improve it. Um, so, you know, things like... Um, uh, the exam season typically um, we, we do a lot around the vacations so the, the users are prepped to know when we're going to be open over Christmas Easter etc and what else they can do in that time so yeah there's kind of key the kind of key points in the student life cycle we, we that's our, our our pattern of work effective is it dictated to a fair extent by that mm. I would say um, what else social media worth knowing about so um we, I think I was looking back, we, we actually signed up to a Twitter, I think it was 2012 originally, which um, at that point we did that because we kind of thought it would be a good thing to do. <laughs> uh, and we, we didn't really have um, a, a blueprint for what to, to use it for at that point. So we kind of stumbled around in the dark a little bit for a while. But after about 18 months or so, we kind of got a sense that, uh, okay, we know what to do with this now. What I sort of think back to is that um, I've been to various conferences um, and it was quite apparent that on a similar sort of timeline, similar sort of chronology, other institution libraries were doing exactly the same thing. But oh, it would be good to be on Twitter, wouldn't it? Now that we're here, well, what do we do? So I didn't feel so bad that we were totally focused at that point. But we are now, and I think we definitely hit our stride about uh, three years ago, I would say. Um, in that time, we've also gone on to Instagram, so that's been a bit of a hit for us. Uh, on Twitter, we've we've uh, I, I'm I'm led to understand that we've kind of um, not exactly gone viral as such, but we've definitely caught some interest at times. Um, usually, it's around amusing images that we've taken um, tends to prove quite popular. The couple that I was thinking of were um, somebody returned a book and it was a copy of D.H. Lawrence's The Rainbow and they decided to stick a photograph of Bungle and Zippy from the 1970s children's TV show Rainbow on the cover. Uh, so that's one of those interesting ones because it's, it's amusing but it also, by taking a photograph of that and putting it out through social media, 
within the industry, if you want to call it that. Arguably, that's us endorsing the pacing of library books, isn't it? So you take risks sometimes with social media, and that one paid off for us, actually, and we kind of, yeah, it went quite well, and we got a lot of likes. Another one, which is even bigger than that, was, uh, I'm going to get the details of this wrong now, but uh, a colleague was reshelving a book in one of the libraries, and it was by, the author was Crosby, surname was Crosby, and the title of the book was something like Birds, Seeds and Animals, obviously from the vet science collection I think, I could be wrong. Um, anyway, the reference is made to, you're probably aware of the band, but forgive me if you're not, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young from the 70s, and I used to show my age now, no <laughs> point. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so we, we kind of, the tweet went out with a photograph of the spine showing that Crosby, Seeds, Birds and Animals, or whatever it was. Uh, and the tweet was um, obviously an early album by David Crosby before he met Stills Nash and Young. And then the real David Crosby spotted this and retweeted it, and all of his fans were all over it like a rash. So he got an awful lot of, of light onto us for, for a period of time, which is interesting because, yeah, you don't expect that, and you can't really predict it. That is the nature of social media. Yeah. Uh, but it was exhilarating and a little bit scary. <laughs> because we one, one thing we're absolutely determined to do is to try to keep what our social media output on a level of quite um, uh, less formal. So yeah. I think I think that comes across, and that's really nice for students yeah. as well to yeah. have that kind of that casual relationship with yes. their library. We're really keen to, to to keep that going, really, if we possibly can. It comes with these sort of risks, as I've indicated, but. I think it's it's a calculated risk, frankly. Um, I mean, we do have. It might look like we're doing it kind of really off the cuff, but we're not. We do have some very clear guidelines about how to do it. But some of it is a bit organic, so we take some chances. Chances a little bit. Sometimes it's good to just push a little bit, see what we can get away with. Uh, but it seems to have worked out okay, apart from one two near misses, which I won't, <laughs> I won't mention there. But we got through that, so yeah, we learned from these things. So yeah, social media has become a big part of what we do. Uh, definitely, that that comes within the student engagement envelope. So if we like now expand wider um, to kind of what you do outside of your job, yeah, with a yeah. very exciting book. Well, uh, yeah, I mean this, uh, as it happens, a lot of what I do in my job revolves around articulating various things <laughs> obviously work related matters um, because you know we we have to produce copy and content for the publications and the banners etc that we, we, we produce um, so to some extent what I, my kind of sideline which is in kind of principally non-fiction writing to date um, can come into play quite usefully sometimes um, I, I've done writing, various writing things for quite a few years I'm, my, my, back, my academic background is in film uh, not filmmaking, but film writing, film research, and so I've always tended to gravitate towards writing about about cinema. Really, uh, my dad was a cinema manager for over forty years, from nineteen from just before the Second World War to nineteen eighty. He retired, did a long career in in cinema, and so I think that's probably where it stems from. My interest, my general interest. Um, so I started writing articles for an online magazine about two thousand eight, two thousand nine to making a few connections and different publishers and um, along with with my wife um, we co-edited 
three volumes in a book series called World Film Locations uh, for uh, Intellect, which is a Bristol-based publisher. Uh, it's a big series of books that they brought out over the last few years. So we did three of those. Uh, we covered it's city locations typically, so it, it would be um, films made in those cities. And we did, what did we do? We did Dublin, uh, Reykjavik, which is a difficult one because there aren't very many films made in Iceland at all. So small uh, pool to pick from. And then we did Liverpool, which is quite a nice one to do. Um, after that, I got in with a different publisher who started to bring out a, a, a series of books. So I don't know if you're familiar with the BFI Classics books. They're quite small, thin little mm. books on, a, on particular films. Um, and they've been running since the 1990s, I think. So this other publisher, it's not the BFI, but it's a different publisher, wanted to produce a, a similar look and feel series of books, but focusing on horror movies. So uh, I brought out, I brought out two of those. Uh, one was on the John Cup in the film The Thing from 1982, and one on a more eclectic one, which was 1945 British horror portmanteau film called Dead of Night. Um, so two volumes in that series. That publisher is bringing out a different series, a similar but covering science fiction rather than horror. And I'm halfway through writing a book about a film called Seconds, which is a 1960s film with Rock Hudson, which is a very strange film. Um, I've not completed that one yet, but I'm just collaborating on somebody else to get them unfinished off. So that's what that's what kind of my published work today, but I'm also now branching into fiction. Uh, I'm trying to put some feelers out through social media actually to see if I can get some work featured in some you know, short story anthologies. So um, that's what I'm currently working on. <laughs> writing wise. Yeah. So but prior to that my, my background was in art. I was an art student for many, many years back in the nineteen eighties. Um, I've worked for the university since 1990, by the way, so I'll go back on my scary thought. But before that, I was an art student yeah. uh, for quite a few years. So visual art was my uh, even earlier background uh, yeah. to writing. Uh, I occasionally turn my hand to some artwork, but not very often these days. That's a really cool combination, coming from an art background and also wanting to write about yeah. film. Well. Yeah, you'll actually find that amongst the library staff, there are quite a few creative people. Um, I mean, with creative backgrounds, you know. Um, in fact, a member of my team, she's currently on uh, maternity leave, Becky Pert. Last year she won the, I'm going to get this wrong now, but it was the, the Cheltenham First Novel Prize. It was the inaugural year, and she, her, her, her manuscript won it, basically. Um, I hope she's going to come back once, once, that, <laughs> once the, the book starts up. But no, um, so that's an amazing... Uh, thing and we've, we have quite a few of the people who are writers. We have somebody who's involved in uh, graphic novel um, market. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole load of really talented people working for library, and I think it's it's really really nice to have that kind of arts and creative background to draw upon in terms of what we do as a service. Because I think the thing with often with libraries is, to your average user, there there is the potential for the service to be regarded as a little bit kind of dry but necessary, if you like. Absolutely. So we try and moisten it a little bit if we possibly can to make it interesting and engaging, hence student engagement. Um, so that's that's quite a driver for us mm -hmm. and it helps to, to know that there are library colleagues out there who 
have the the drive to get the teeth into something a bit more creative yeah. uh, when when called upon to do so. Yeah, and I think that's this is kind of why I wanted to run this Humans of Bristol University because I know the the library. I, mean, I was looking at the Instagram. The library mm. does it occasionally, which occasionally, is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's so nice for students to find out about these things about mm. kind of what people what without being kind of too personal about it and going into people's personal lives but to know like for example that you edit film series like film students would be so mm -hmm. interested mm -hmm. in that and knowing that people at the library are a part of both practitioners as well yeah. as there to help help them with Absolutely. being a student and bringing up their own creativity yeah, yeah. especially in the context of Bristol which is such a creative city in terms of film in terms of visual art in terms of theatre and to like create that kind of cohesion between it's not just the library as like kind of a faceless thing. These are these are people with so many creative interests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We're really keen really to you know contribute to links between the city and the university in many ways. You're probably aware that uh, was it 2017 Bristol had had UNESCO City of Film status bestowed upon it. Yeah, not really terribly cool. one, you know, which is really surprising. It, so not surprised as in like it's surprising that people don't. I don't. I didn't know about this, that. You know? This is it. So so. I probably have to say on a, on a purely personal basis, I'd really like to see how the university can do something around that. Um, I'm working with my colleague who is subject librarian for TV and film to see if we can kind of forge some links between that department and what's going on with the UNESCO, so we're just working on at the minute. Um, part of the way that may manifest itself in the coming weeks will be we've just recently gained access to a new online uh, film and TV um, content database called Canopy with a K, uh, which actually includes full-length movies, documentaries, uh, etc. So what we might do, we're kind of trying to work up a moment in time to kind of mark this UNESCO thing, but also use it to show some of this content to an audience using, you know, some of the screening facilities that are around. around. Um, that's a work in progress. I hope it comes off. Uh, but I think it's it's important to be looking for those opportunities. Uh, which actually reminds me that was it last year, um, maybe the year before last, I got in touch with the Student Union Film Society, and I said, if you're interested in somebody to come along and actually introduce a screening of a film, mm -hmm. hello, I, I I'm happy to do that. And so we organised a, a screening of the thing. In the Robin Hood pub, there's a, there's a room above the pub, and they got a projector and a screen and everything, and um, it was really it was really good. It's quite it's quite funny, because I kind I kind of assume with things like that's a fairly high profile film, and I kind of thought well probably at least half the people who came along would probably have seen it, and they're probably there to think oh yeah it's a good film isn't it I'll watch it again. Mm -hmm. So uh, the first thing that I said when I stood up to speak to everybody, and there's about thirty people there, so hands up who's seen this film already. And not a single yeah. hand went up. And I thought, oh my, what have I done? Because I don't know if you've seen the film. No. But it's quite a gruesome film. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that also is to do with horror in general. It's quite yeah. an underrated genre. Which is, it interests me that you're, you're kind of bringing that to light as well, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems to be a genre that is manifesting all over the place. Yeah. So there's... You know, or like underrated in like the academic sense, people don't tend to see it as like as something that traditionally one would not. study. But like I think Absolutely that's not. been broken down now. Which is good it, it definitely is, you know, because you ha you have um, you know gender issues coming coming through. So many the full spectrum of issues that you see studied in film can it be can be brought through j just in horror if you want to focus on that. 
<coughs> which is why I, I did actually try to do. But um, yeah, when, I, when I did show them this film, we got to the end of it and the lights went up and I just looked and everyone's faces were white or green in some cases. <laughs> it is such a gruesome film. So I thought, oh dear. Anyway, they seemed to enjoy it, so that, that was the main thing, but they didn't ask me back. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think that's so empowering for the students, so to know that there are the people at the university want to come and help them develop mm. their creativity, and as well, knowing also by being able to expand the links between the, what you're saying with the university and the city as well, mm. is a way of bursting that bubble that people can become quite alienated or isolated within. Yeah. Um, thinking there is no world outside mm. the book, I, not even just the book you're reading, but just like me having to study all the time, yeah. or like there can be, there's a sense of uh, kind of student loneliness, feeling like yeah. there's no one there for them to help them, or they feel completely cut off from the city that they live within. Yeah. And so it's 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 brilliant that you're able to you're you're really starting to make these links that would just so benefit students as well. Yeah, I mean, I always think the student experience should be poor. It's an often, it's a, use, a word that's used a lot, is porous. Mm. So they should feel able to go into different spaces or have different experiences during their time in, at yeah. the university and within the city because there's no reason why they, that experience shouldn't merge and become all part of the same thing. Absolutely. So I think in every way anyone like me can bring to this, we should be attempting to kind of encourage or, or, or en you know, enable that porousness to happen mm. uh, if that means you know making a point of going out and doing a thing that you would that is beyond what is on my job description to do and there's nothing to do with what I actually do professionally it's just something that I, I wanted to offer I'm more than happy to do that apart from anything else it gives me a bit of ex exposure for my books as well so Absolutely. <laughs> the, motive. but um, yeah always happy to do that sort of thing uh, I can talk until the cows come home about this kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, some, you know, Tom Sperlinger yeah. and Richard Pettigrew, like yeah. they've just published the what are you, who are you, what are universities for? Who are universities for? Yes. And I think one of their main points was that unity of expertise and experience and wanting the community be to the community, wider community to be so much more involved in the university as a structure as opposed to kind of this like isolated ivory tower of mm. old ideas by combining them with things like practical experience in mm. film or, mm. or theatre or like any anything in Britain and uh, maybe some students feel differently about that kind of thing to me but when I when I kind of encounter like it's almost hard to say the fact that I even refer to them as like people in the real world kind of thing bringing that in like making again the kind of porous environment that just reminds me that there is that what I'm doing is very much a part of the real world and I don't have to feel so much in this bubble for yeah. me that's really quite good mental health wise yeah. um like even sitting in a class um the other day um where there's a few people in my course who are who are adults with families and mm. jobs and their own lives to get on with yeah. and I'm just like oh this is fine what I'm doing is not the be all and end all of yeah. everything yeah like if I don't get this mark or this mark, like it's not, it's fine. <laughs> you know, there is so much world outside. Absolutely. Uh, and integrating the university with that world is exactly what should be happening. A course is is like a vehicle for for me. Um, you know, and you jump on and jump off, and the world carries on anyway. And so, I think it's very healthy to 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 be as aware of that as you possibly can 
from as early a point in a course as you can be. Um, I mean, you know, I know what it's like to sort of be on a course and feel almost sort of enclosed by it and, and kind of almost falsely cosy. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, and, and the outside world can go hang, but it can't really because one day you'll rejoin it. So it's better to be aware of that from the outset, I think. That's my personal opinion, um, uh, from the earliest point possible.